Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Thanks for listening, everyone. Welcome back. No one likes a crisis. I don't. In fact, I'm not even very keen on surprises. But crisis management is a degree program at many of our major universities, and I guess that need is the catalyst for these programs. There are nine different types of crises identified by researchers, and they are natural disasters, malevolence, technical breakdowns, human breakdowns, challenges, mega damage, organizational misdeeds, work or school place violence, and finally, rumors. Out of these nine, I had to look up three of them to know what they are. When a crisis arrives, it brings with it at least three unwelcome situations that are typical in all nine of the crises I've just listed. First, there is a threat to the area or organization. Second, there is an element of surprise and shock. And thirdly, there is a short decision time. We've had our share of crisis here in Michigan during the immediate past. The Great Recession was brutal to virtually every sector of our economy. The Flint water crisis is still a crisis on many levels. And more recently, the flash flooding in mid-Michigan swept away homes, memories, and left behind people with nothing except their resiliency. I've lived through several hurricanes in my growing up years in South Alabama. Camille, Frederick, and Katrina all come to mind and were devastating to life and property. While in East Africa, several uprisings in the villages, urban unrest in the major cities, all have left me with indelible impressions. I hunted for our meat and was hunted as meat <laughs> by a lion, a rhino, a cape buffalo, a hippo, and too many snakes to count. I've endured violent storms of coming across the waters of Lake Victoria where we built the first schools and medical centers. I've had the diseases like malaria, belhartsia, and they brought a whole different crisis mentality to me. Too many near misses with Matatu or taxi drivers on the roadway is always like a crisis. What I've noticed is that a crisis reduces us to our basic self and needs. A crisis creates a strong desire for access to food and water, and in some instances, clothes, medical attention, and an urgent need to return to normalcy. During the hurricanes, I remember washing clothes on the back of a semi-flatbed truck loaded down with both washer and dryers and thinking how great it was to wear clean clothes after a hot shower provided by the relief agencies. There is a bonding that occurs during a crisis that has experienced few other places or circumstances in life. And for those who survive, rebuild, and start anew, we salute you for your courage, strength, and determination. And you remember the names of the people and the organizations who arrive with food, water, hope, and strength for those of us when we were at our weakest. 
The food banks of Michigan are often one of the first to arrive and the last to leave during a crisis. Why? Because we are on the scene of a crisis early because we're already serving in the community before the crisis arrived. And we will be there whenever the current crisis has subsided. Jerry and I will be right back to discuss crisis management from a food bank perspective and talk with a great young leader, Leanna Bennett from the Michigan Department of Education, who helped lead recent efforts to support the families in the floods during and throughout mid-Michigan. Come back and be with us. We'll be right here. Welcome back to Food for Thought, sponsored by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson, and thanks for listening to Food for Thought. So today, our guest, as I said in the monologue, is Leanna Bennett, and Leanna is a consultant for the Household Distribution Program with the Michigan Department of Education. And Leanna, thanks for being on Food for Thought. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's super. You and I met, actually, uh, it took a trip to Washington, D.C. in order for us to meet. Uh, And uh, we had great conversations about uh, our work at the Food Bank Council and the network of our seven food banks. And I guess one of of the things we talked about, of course, obviously, was food distribution. Uh, But in the context of even in a crisis, and yet here we have in the last few weeks... We've had a chance to partner and work together and uh, really try to help meet basic needs of folks who were going through a severe crisis, and that's the flooding that happened up in mid-Michigan. So um, we'd just really like to talk with you about that and uh, I think help our listeners understand what the role of MDE, Michigan Department of Education, and particularly the role and leadership that you gave to that crisis. Well, MDE oversees um, what we call household distribution programs um, and the distribution of USDA foods. Um, And we do that through two separate programs here in Michigan. Um, And then the one that really helped out with with the crisis in the Midland area um, was the Emergency Food Assistance Program, which is commonly known as TFAP. And so we were able to... um, shift food around, this TFAP food, USDA foods, around um, from different locations in the state to bring it in to the mid-Michigan area where it was needed. Great. So what, what, how, you know, some people might say, well, how is the, the Michigan Department of Education involved in household or food distribution programs. How does that fit? Now, you know, being somewhat of an insider, I see how it fits perfectly. And we've had the privilege to have uh, Dr. Galinsky on the show that has explained why some of that happened. But from your perspective, Leanna, why MDE? Why, Why Department of Education? Well, the school meals program, as well as the child and adult program and the summer feeding program all sit in the Department of Education because those programs reach the children specifically at education centers more than likely um, from anywhere else. And so because 
we tend to use the same USDA foods and the same food system, um, the household programs then we sit next door in the same little area. Well, I want to talk to you later in the show about some of those other programs that we're partnering on, backpack programs and things like that. But but right now I want to toss it over to my co-host, who, uh, who I know has some questions because he sees this at a little bit of a different level than, than, than the rest of us because he... He is the CEO for the Gleaners Community Food Bank, which is one of the largest in our state. Yeah, and and I think it would be helpful to kind of walk us through the process that happens. So, you know, you're sitting, you know, watching a nice TV show or listening to the radio, maybe listening to Phil and I, you know, doing our podcast and, <laughs> you know, really, really enjoying that. And all of a sudden there's there's storms and and rising water and now there's significant flooding how does this get to you and how do you mobilize what actually happens well really you are correct sitting around at home checking facebook seeing what's going on um and then we are fortunate here in michigan not only do we have uh, seven food bank partners who distribute food, but we also have a number of community action agencies who distribute food as well um, in our state. And so some of these locations do have warehouses um, that have stores of food, the, such as the food bank partners um, and some of our larger community action agencies. And so we were able then to start contacting the community action agencies in the area to see what they were hearing, what did they need, how could we help, and then um, to facilitate with other locations in the state, with other warehouses who had USDA food available to transfer that food um, to where it was needed. You know, one of the things I like to say is preparation is the best part of spontaneity. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. in other words, you've been preparing. You've got warehouses all over the state that agree to hold a certain amount of food just in case a crisis like this happens. So when the crisis happens, you get on the phone and in a few calls, you can start moving that food to where it's needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're very fortunate that um, we really do all play pretty well together here in Michigan, that that we, when in a crisis, we do all come together. That's, that's I think, one of the most important things you could say. And, and if we're going to solve complex problems, how well we work together is one of the litmus tests of whether it's possible. Because if Absolutely. you're fighting each other every step of the way, you're not going to get much done. So, so do you have an example of a, a family or, or maybe from a community perspective, what did you see when this, when this came together and the problem started to be solved? Well, one of, one of the issues um, that I know is very common is when an emergency happens like this, it's great to be able to send food um, to locations, whether it's for congregate meal sites that the Red Cross sets up or um, just boxes of food that people can take home um, and prepare in their own home. Um, but what ends up happening is the food needs to be readily available and edible um, to send spaghetti to a place where there's no power um, that's a little difficult then for them to to prepare that so we need to be able to look at what kinds of foods are available um, that these people in crisis can access 
So it's more complicated than you might think starting out. Well, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, like having lived through several crises that I described in the monologue for this show, uh, you're right. You know, you wouldn't think about that. Like, oh, we've got this food. Let's send it. Well, wait, uh, how are they going to fix that? How are they right. going to prepare that? And, you know, so you're right. A little more a little more forethought. What did you say? The preparation is the is the best is the best part of spontaneity, right? It's, yeah. it's like the better yeah. prepared you are, the more your spontaneous action after that is improved, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. And I'll have to say, with our household foods, um, because of the way that they are packaged, they're packaged specifically for household use, which means that it's kind of a one one or two serving package. Um, That also becomes cumbersome at a congregate meal site that if you want to serve 100 people, you're going to have to open a lot of cans of pears to serve everyone. So So we have to think about other other means of food to to help when needed. Yeah, and I think this is is a really good example of things that go on behind the scenes that nobody really thinks about, and then something happens, and not only do you have to think about it, it better be there. You know, right. so so here's this this, you know, very important part of our government, which is prepared to act in a very specific way with a lot of detailed information about the kind of food people need in different situations during a crisis so that you don't have mayhem. You don't have people literally going days without food. You've got, you know, school age kids being able to, you know, get to school and not worry about whether or not they have a meal. And all that's because of a government program that people never think about, but that is there and not only present and active, but really effective at getting there on time with the right food, with the right community partners to do a great service. Let's continue this conversation on the other side of the break. She's Leanna Bennett. She is a consultant for the Household Distribution Program with the Michigan Department of Education. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're going to be right back in just a moment. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight with Leanna Bennett, working with the Michigan Department of Education as a consultant for household distribution. All those programs, and particularly those programs, are needed most in the midst of a crisis. And we've just partnered together on a crisis with the mid-Michigan flooding that happened just a few weeks ago. And um, and I really liked your question, Jerry, about, you know, because I'm always interested, like, okay, the truck shows up and people are getting water and food and blankets and everything that they need uh, in the midst of this crisis. But how did that happen? I mean, who called who? I mean, and from Leanna's you know, like sitting at home, checking Facebook, listening to our show or podcast, and and then um, and we're shamelessly plugging there, Leanna. But that's good. No, I'll take it. And uh, and uh, and you know, and then all of a sudden, boom! You you know, you're in your sweatpants. The next thing, you're in your jeans, and you better be moving because phone calls are happening, and people are coming into work. They're going to the emergency response center that I know we have a desk at, the Food Bank Council, out uh, at the Michigan State Police headquarters where we're starting to coordinate these efforts and, and, and begin to make some things happen and get, get people the, 
the supplies that they need. So I'm really interested as, as you are in that process. And I'm thankful that somebody's thinking about this before it happens, all the way down to, okay, well, what kind of food can we send? And I think that that's um, a great point to say where the State Emergency Operations Center um, comes into play is that it that all of the resources can get, um, like almost as a hub or a portal, that for us, we can send somebody to the Emergency Operations Center and say, listen, we have this product in a warehouse. How would you like us to get it there? Where would you like it to be? to pick it up. Yeah. I, I think that that has been one of the great contributions, uh, you know, for our state government to coordinate this this state operations center, emergency operations center there at the Michigan State Police headquarters on their campus. Um, so so what are you getting as far as feedback, Leanna? What, 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 what are the what is the response of the people? I mean, I've, as I described in earlier segment on the show, I've lived through some crises. I remember going through uh, Camille, Frederick, and and most recently Katrina on the Gulf Coast. And when Frederick, uh, I remember uh, literally taking clothes off, you know, that I was wearing, put a robe on. And standing on the top of a flatbed trailer, washing those clothes in a in a washing machine and a dryer, like eight or ten sets of those strapped down on a on a, a flatbed trailer, and then run and get a shower and come back, and those clothes are dry and put them back on. I mean, that's what's happening to people in a crisis when they lose everything except their memories and their resiliency. Sure. Well, in this. Um through the mid-Michigan crisis we just went through, I know that um, between the Community Action Agency, 8CAP, and the Greater Lansing Food Bank, they were able to work together to distribute food um, to over 450 individuals within approximately 150 households. Wow, that's pretty cool. And what, what just... What was the? Did you get some stories out of that? Did you? I mean, what were the people saying when, when, like, when the food arrived or when the water arrived? What was their reaction? Very thankful. Um, just very thankful that there was um, this assistance that they needed at the moment. That it was comforting to know that they weren't there by themselves, or they had to figure stuff out by themselves. That that just there were other people there who were who were willing to help them. Hmm. Amazing. And I think it's one of the litmus tests of a good community is how much hope can you give people when a crisis comes along that changes everything they thought yesterday for tomorrow, right? Whatever I thought yesterday, I didn't think my house was going to be completely flooded and I would lose everything, right? I mean, you know, who thinks about that? And yet it happens. It happens in our state. It happens in our community. And when you can see a community really come together and have had the foresight to say, we know how to care about people in a crisis, and now we're going to do it, and now we're going to reach these 450 or so uh, people and, and 150 or so households in near enough proximity to the disaster that they can recover their life and be successful, and the likelihood is you'll never hear from them again. And that is so often what happens. And and just so you know that there, um, after the initial crisis, there were still efforts to 
have food available at certain warehouses and locations for those who had longer-term needs. Which is clearly part of the community as well. Sure. That that there are we there's people at various levels of managing their life and and the, and with the resources that they need and so you got to have a somewhat different solution depending on those households. Correct. Yeah, yeah I think that you know well just to kind of maybe segue out of that into some of the other programs, Leanna, that you're giving leadership to and and Michigan Department of Education is so readily evolved in is, yes, there is the crisis, but there's going to be after the crisis. There was before the crisis, the crisis occurred, now there's after the crisis. And some of the other programs that you guys are giving uh, resource and leadership to, and you're working, I know, with through the, the Food Bank Council and our network of seven food banks across the state, what are some of those programs, and, um, and how and why are they so effective? So one of the, one of the programs I, I know that's going on right now is the Summer Feeding Program, where it's for children up to the age of 18, and any child can go to a site and receive uh, a free meal, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, depending on, on what the site is offering. So that way, kids all over the state have an opportunity to have some kind of meal each and every single day. Yeah, and with in our area alone, this is southeast Michigan, there's over 300,000 kids that are getting food during the school year that when school is out, they're missing maybe one, maybe two meals every single day. That is a hugely important issue, and the summer food service program is critically important to those households with kids. And I can't say officially, but anecdotally, I have heard that some of those programs are now even available on the weekends through the summer. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. So but it's not hunger. Hunger's just not a Monday through Friday thing. Yeah, no, for sure. I, you know, we've we've talked about that the summer impact, and you know, we even uh, have said on the show before that when you live in Michigan and you have a snow day that's declared. Uh, most folks are pretty excited about that, but there's a few kids that are in school that are very disappointed about that because that's their source of, of nutrition and, and food. Uh, so it makes you think about it totally differently. She's Leanna Bennett. She is the consultant for household distribution programs with the Michigan Department of Education. And Leanna, I want to give you the last word in this segment. Um, what, what would you say to our listeners about these programs and, uh, and, and, and the work that Michigan Department of Education is involved in in feeding the whole person the whole year? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you for having me on. Um, and I just want to say that these programs are extremely vital. Um, we are, although it, oftentimes people will think that, ooh, boo, government's involved, but we are definitely here to support feeding everybody from from birth to to your last days that we are we are here in emergencies and in non-emergencies uh, and just here to support those are great words Leanna Leanna Bennett she is with the Michigan Department of Education a consultant for household distribution programs giving great leadership both in and out of a crisis and Leanna thanks for being our partner and our guest here on food for thought
You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. And on the phone with us, Mr. Joe Wald, who is the Executive Director for the Greater Lansing Food Bank. And Joe, I'm, we're, your ears must have been burning because Leanna Bennett, our guest from the Michigan Department of Education, who helped coordinate a lot of the relief efforts into Isabella and Midland County um, during the recent flooding, uh, mentioned the impact that Greater Lansing Food Bank had on the residents who were displaced by the flood. And uh, she spoke in glowing terms, and we wanted to get you on the call on the show here and uh, get your perspective on that. So Jerry's got a couple of questions for you. I appreciate it. Yeah, nice you know, to talk to both of you. Great, and it is always a pleasure. Uh, you do such good work over there and, and in, in the counties that you're serving. Um, and one of the things we were trying to get at was what actually happens, you know? So there's a crisis, and, and all of a sudden, resources are mobilized and families are helped. So help us understand, what does the food bank actually do in the crisis? Well, I appreciate that. And, and let me start off with uh, sharing that there's a spectacular network across our state people talk to each other. And when there is a need, you know, we send an email, we pick up the phone, we figure out what's going on, and we mobilize our resources. And so we received information from multiple sources, but primarily it came through our own you know, Dr. Phil Knight, Food Bank Council, uh, who was contacted by the Department of Education to, to let us know, in fact, that there was an emergency going on. You know, there was unexpected rain, significant flooding. Uh, as soon as we realized what was going on, we called our agencies uh, in that community to get a firsthand look at what was going on. So they reported back to us. Um, you know, we then spoke to the people that we needed to speak to. Uh, we pulled a truck into our warehouse, we filled it up with food within a day, and we drove that truck uh, to the affected site so that we could pass out food uh, to make sure that people had food. I mean, it's, in one way, it's a really simple process. You do what you need to do. In another way, it takes some pretty significant communication to fully understand what's the need, where is it. Uh, and, you know, it's an old story. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, reading about the tsunami years ago in Southeast Asia. And so organizations decided they were going to help. They had um, winter coats that they were going to send. Well, this is Southeast Asia. So you've got to make sure you send whatever it is consistent with what the need is. And so, you know, again, we talked to uh, mm. the Department of Education, uh, people at Food Bank Council, to our agencies, found out what people needed, filled up the truck and took it there. We had volunteers waiting so that we could distribute it. That's the way it works. And I know that um, it's easy to take for granted that these systems are sitting there in the background. Um, so, so how do you explain the preparation? How do you stay poised and ready, not just for, for responding to this crisis, but the next one? Sure, which is a great question. And I'll tell you, I think every food bank in the state and, and many other not-for-profit organizations always have to think about, so what does the community look to us for? And they look to us for emergency food. And so sometimes we can plan for that, but other times we can't. So I think that great organizations have to be agile. They've got to have that flexibility to kind of turn on a dime, as they say. And so, you know, we have our routine. We know we, we are going to send food to, to all these sites on all these days at all these times. Uh, you know, that's already scheduled. But at the same time, when an emergency arises, we've got to be able to say, okay, 
you know, we need to push back this and pull this up, um, grab a truck, which isn't always easy because we all have limited resources, but, you know, it's all about doing what's right. And so thankfully, because of the support that our community gives us, just like all the communities around the state give to the other food banks, uh, you know, we have that ability to pull food off of our shelf and then to replenish that food. And, and that's what community support does for us. It allows us to do that. Um, and so this is exactly what we did, uh, just like every other food bank in the state would do. I know our friends in Flint did the same thing for counties that were uh, impacted by these same rains and floods. You know, we talk on the show a lot about, you know, ultimately our goal is to find a way to have a food secure community. And we talk about systems and we talk about processes and we talk about ways we're changing the conversation. But in the midst of that conversation, we wanted to make sure that we could talk clearly about the one of the most important parts of our work, which is to be available in a crisis. You can't have a food secure community if you don't have crisis intervention when a crisis happens. Exactly. And yep. and you've I really appreciate uh, your perspective on on what food banks do and how we work and what we have to have in place and being nimble and and all those things. Which that means people. That means training. That means investments that are happening behind the scenes. And when we're all if I can put a plug for food banks, I'm going to, right? <laughs> when we're all operating on margins that are about 94, 95, 96, 97 cents of every dollar going to the mission and right. still able to make investments in staff and training and warehouse space so you can respond to a crisis when it happens, that is impressive. And Jerry, you just hit it on the head. You know, what we do, it's not about data. It's not about numbers. It's about people. And it's what the communities that we serve expect from us. Therefore, we've got to be ready. And that's what we all do. Um, and you know what? We share amongst ourselves. We talk amongst ourselves. We plan amongst ourselves so that when this situation you know, is in front of us, we're all able to. And we all are willing to help each other. And I think it's a great network, and it serves people, and that's what it's all about. He's Joe Walt. He is the executive director for the Greater Lansing Food Bank, and uh, he was in the midst of the storm during the July 4th week. A very inconvenient time to have a crisis, I might add. <laughs> like, but, you, you know, we, they we're never asked if this is a good time. Right. How rude. <laughs> yeah. So, it's uh, Joe, it's great for you. Thanks for, uh, for uh, coming on the show with us and explaining the process and some of the background work that has to be there, the resources it takes. Because, you know, the challenge we have in Food Bank is not only to address emergency food in a crisis, but also the chronic need for food that people have in their lives. And so I think it's a great uh, testimony for us to be able to turn off that chronic work that we're doing day by day and turn to focus resources onto emergency when people need us most. Thanks for what you guys do. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. He's Joe Wall. Thanks for being with us on Food for Thought. Jerry and I will be right back in just a moment. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Great segment there, Jerry, with Joe Wald and Leanna Bennett. Great show there to talk about the process that is involved in managing a crisis. What happens behind the scene and a little bit of why. 
Yeah, and it's a nice reminder of the things that we have in place that are really easy to take for granted from a very specific localized crisis, like if a tornado hits, somebody's there to help those, you know, relatively few families have the things they need to recover from that, right? And right. and food banks are involved in those very localized things. There's also crises as big as the Flint water crisis. Yeah. Lots of resources from all across our Michigan network and even our national network came to Flint as a result of the relationships that we have both here in the state and across the nation. And if it weren't for the distribution networks having conversations with each other regularly about how to be prepared when something might happen, and you don't have a blueprint, you can't say, hey, you know what, in two months we got that crisis coming. Let's make sure we have stuff in place, right? Who scheduled That's, this? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not the way it works. And so, you know, the, the, the thoughtfulness that happens on a really weekly or monthly or quarterly or annual basis to make sure that those plans are in place for whatever that crisis might be. No one expected the big blackout when it happened several years ago, and yet you had huge amounts of food stuck in places where it was going to spoil if you didn't take care of it. Well, how do you manage that? Right. Well, you start calling the people who have the trucks and the the people and the expertise in place already, and that includes food banks. and that First it's a, responders. That's yeah. right. And and so it's very affirming you know, to be in this work when you can see the looks on people's faces who went from being certain what they were going to do tomorrow to mm -hmm. completely uncertain about tomorrow start getting things put together for them so they can take hunger off the table and solve the next problem, whether it's transportation or their car, which got flooded or their house furniture. Right. But they couldn't solve those problems if we didn't take hunger off the table. And I think one of the things we can learn from these crises is the significance of taking hunger off the table and how it enables people to move on to success. Absolutely. Well, you know, we talked about with Joe, there's the there's the chronic need of people who are are working to get themselves better and then there's the emergency. And so this this flooding, it's like the tornadoes that came through in Charlotte a year or so ago, 2 years ago, and you know, happened here. And I I think our our producer makes a great point when he says we can get a little lackadaisical in Michigan cuz we're not dealing with hurricanes, you know? And you know, but we also deal with this thing called winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And blizzards and you know, every winter some city gets blocked in by a blizzard and they've got to deal with now what do we do transportation is that an issue <laughs> absolutely it's an issue well who's there that has multiple sites nearby that aren't locked in that can start to mobilize and of course the food bank and our network of partners we're always there and nearby and and willing to offer whatever we need to do in order to take hunger off the table. And I know this is this show's been about crisis management and the role the food banks play, but again, I have to say that when you use these communities we're talking about, the blackout, I know you're I'm I'm thinking about the one in Lansing, you're thinking about the one 
here. Yeah. 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 And more in the more De- Detroit area, south southeast Michigan. I'm thinking about the tornadoes that have come through. Again, I mentioned Charlotte. You're thinking about yeah Highland Park and Hamtramck. That was a few years ago, but it really it really destroyed a lot of homes. So it just again points to me a couple of things. One is the value of the food banks in any situation, and two, the goodness of people. I mean, I think it's about encouraging ourselves about us. I mean, we hear a lot of negative, and if you watch the news very much, that's about all you hear. But in the midst of a crisis, and when you watch people come together, I think it's pretty special. And I hope that, you know, as you're listening uh, to this show, you feel part of us. Because you're really important to us, and your generosity and support and thoughtfulness and concern about this issue is what helps us do what we do. Absolutely. Well, it's time for a little food for thought. A friend is someone who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. My dad would say to me, when your days are close to an end, son, and you have this many, and he'd hold up five fingers, a handful of friends, you you will have lived a solid life. In the age of social media with friends and followers in the hundreds, thousands, and many more, The value of a friend who walks in when everyone else is walking out is priceless. Trust, loyalty, and positivity are invaluable to someone in need. This network of food banks that make up the Food Bank Council of Michigan distribute food, but they trade in trust, loyalty, and hope. The leaders of this network and their employees are the kind of people you can count on when you can't count on anyone else. Thanks for listening to Jerry and me. We're back next week with another exciting edition of Food for Thought, heard right here on WJR. Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.